0: Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, how to handle conflict with a high C. Here we go. Well, we get uh, asked questions about conflict all the time, and one can have conflict with high seas. I know because I've been in conflict. Yeah, <laughs> high yes, you can. <laughs> this show is about me. <laughs>
1: finally, <laughs> finally,
0: finally. So you said you said it several times, right? What what is it your dad said about conflict?
1: You know what? He, I think he recognized that I would tend to have a sharp edge, and that I would <laughs> no. uh, sharp elbows, if you will, and I would create conflict sometimes where I went. And he he reminded me that sometimes conflict is good, sometimes it's bad, but fundamentally don't assume that conflict is inherently bad. He He was basically chiding me on creating a conflict where there didn't need to be one. And he said, but I want to caution you on something. He said, never forget that the definition of conflict is two human beings being in the same county, meaning... You take two people in the same county in the U.S., which is thousands of square miles in most cases, and you're, you're talking about conflict. There's always going to be conflict. And so for those of you who are naturally uncomfortable with conflict, and that tends to be the S's and the C's in the world, although that's not black and white, if you have five or 10 or 100 or 1,000 human beings in an organization or even 500 or 1,000 people in a building, There's going to be some conflict. If you're sitting around thinking that your goal is the absence of conflict and there are a 1,000 human beings, it's a pipe dream. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Although there are many S's and C's who watch a D and an I or two I's or two D's arguing. You and I have had this experience, Mike. And they think there's conflict when, in fact, the two D's go, we're not in conflict we're yeah. not arguing it's it's all good it's a conversation yeah we're just we're just conversing he has his point I have my point I'm okay with his he's okay with mine and we're fighting for our point of view but we're not in conflict with one another even when we disagree the thing to remember about this and to tell you the truth I miss this as often as anybody else each of the four disc styles d i s or c assertive in task assertive in personal uh, reserved in personal reserved in task. We all handle conflict differently. And if you know there's going to be conflict, it behooves all of us to say, how can I handle conflict more effectively? Can I turn a situation where somebody else and I disagree into a win-win? And the fact is you can if you'll think about it a little bit first and you'll prepare a little bit based on the type of person you're talking to. And in this case, Mike, I think we're talking about high C's, right? We're talking about high C's. That's right. High C's. So Mike would be the expert there, not so much me. Mike is the high C. High C's folks, for those of you who don't know DISC, are the conscientious people, the engineers, the accountants, the software developers, the people who really don't like people. They tend to see the world as fairly black and white. They like working with computers as an example because computers don't talk back and they don't have feelings. And they do what you tell them to do. And they're fairly manageable as opposed to people, which are wildly unpredictable. And working with a high C, when you're in conflict, there are some rules or some suggestions that we have that might make you more effective. Now, Mike, before I get into the agenda, when you think about your career and being a high C, forget about the podcast for a minute. When you thought about being in conflict, what was it that made you in conflict? And just off the top of your head, how did you respond to it?
0: Well, what made me in conflict is me wanting to be right all the time, right? Oh, good point. Okay, good point. Yeah. And, and, you know, I thought I had the data and I had, you know, I thought it was right. And conflict for me was people talking about things that weren't supported by my data or having positions that weren't supported yeah. by the data. And, and to be frank, they had valid positions. You know, I would think about process and, and, and numbers and
1: metrics and all that. And Let me interrupt for a second, though. When you were in conflict with them, did you intellectually understand, did you emotionally understand that they had valid position or did you just see them as not having data?
0: I just saw them as not having data. In hindsight, their points were completely valid and different than mine and correct as well, but from a different perspective. Yeah. But I'm talking about earlier in my career when I wasn't wise enough to, to understand that. So in hindsight, good, yeah. um, but, but at the time, no, <laughs> absolutely not. I just thought they didn't have data in their Yeah, point. you just
1: thought they were wrong. Yeah. They were, because you were right, and I think this is a classic high seat problem, because you were right, any point of view that was different than yours was wrong. That's right, and yeah. I think
0: I think part of it is high season. I know I suffer from this. Is that if somebody else's point is right, right, equally right, then that means I was wrong. Or at least that's the way I used to yeah. think. It meant I was wrong. Double edged sword. Yeah, and, and being wrong for me for and for a lot of high seas is really it's an uncomfortable the place. sixty
1: four thousand dollar death of a million knives. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If nothing else, I may not be right, but the one thing I will never be is wrong. Yeah, there you go. And and when it when decisions come down to binary situations, it's either A or B, and you support A and believe you're right. When B is chosen, B essentially is anointed with some rightness, which means by definition, in a binary world, which the world is not, then therefore A is wrong, and that's got to just stick in your craw.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And 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 you know, frankly, earlier in my career, I didn't think feelings mattered a whole lot. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, me and you both, partner. <laughs> so the fact that the that my solution was absolutely right, yet was devoid of emotion and excitement and things that would get people, people behind it, so therefore it would never work, you know, was ir- 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 irrelevant to me. Well, it's, it's the right thing to do here. everybody should get behind it.
1: Well, okay. I just want to make sure, we're, can we be sure we're recording this? I want to make sure that you said just now that early in your career <laughs> – when you were right, you might have been wrong because, in fact, you couldn't get people behind your idea. I love that. I just, yeah. I just need to remember that for a long, long time.
0: Oh, remember, I, I'm responsible for getting these things edited, so I'll just give some very specific <laughs> yeah, directions okay. to fair Paul.
1: fair enough, fair enough.
0: <laughs> this will never see the light of day.
1: <laughs> Look, guys, our guidance is fairly straightforward when it comes to guidance, uh, how to handle a conflict with the high C. We want to suggest two recommendations. First of all, when it comes to high C, you want to, number one, define the problem in order to define the solution. So many times when we're in conflict with a high C, it's because we disagree on the problem. We disagree on the definition of the situation. We disagree on the givens. And so we want to recommend that by defining the problem specifically and precisely, what that tends to cause is it moves the problem outside of you and the person you're in conflict with. You begin to talk about the problem as an external entity, as a set of circumstances that are separate from you and the other person. In other words, you can be in agreement as people and yet agree to see the problem differently. And the second thing you do relative to defining the problem is finding the best approach together. And there are some things... Some phrases that will make you more effective with high C's, and that's the second part of our cast. The first one is, perhaps we can agree on the factors and issues. And I'll tell you, the number of times I've used this phrase, let's agree on the issues that are impinging upon this problem, and you realize, holy Toledo, the reason the problem is so impossible to solve is we we don't even agree on the factors and issues. So starting there is a way to start with facts and figures and known issues. And if you have a disagreement, but you identify early that you've got factors and issues as problems that you disagree on those things, it makes it easier to feel like, aha, I'm at peace about the fact that you and I were in disagreement because we didn't even agree on the factors of the issues that related to the problem. Another thing you can say that high sees love, and Mike, feel free to chime in. Another thing, that if you're working with a high C, a guy like Mike, a little bit more of a perfectionist, a little bit more who dots his I's and crosses his T's, a phrase you can use is, we need to do what makes the most sense. Not what feels good, not what my gut tells me. Listen to those phrases. What feels good, what my gut tells me, but rather what makes the most sense. Yeah. If I, Guys, if I talk to a guy like Mike and I say, I'm going to go with my gut here, inevitably, whether Mike knows it or not, at some subconscious level, Mike's response is a high C. And and by the way, my way of doing things is no better or worse than his. And if I don't appreciate his high C-ness, when I say, my gut tells me you ought to do X, Mike's first response is, Mike, what do you say? What does your gut tell you when I say to you, dude, my gut is telling me you ought to do X?
0: It tells me you're pulling the answer out of some dark place
1: that I don't trust. Yeah, exactly, right? (laughs) Yeah. There's no data here. There's no facts here. There's no thinking. There's no reasoning. There's no logic. Yeah. So when you say we need to do what makes most sense, you're appealing to the high C, the need for logic and rationality and optimizing thinking. The last thing we're going to recommend is saying, I'm willing to do whatever is the most effective solution. And guys, I have to tell you this. Mike is better at this than me. Mike is willing to lose the battle but win the war, whereas I sometimes am not. If you're not willing to do whatever is the most effective solution, I think you ought to struggle with calling yourself a professional. I really do. And there are times when I push my point of view, my high-I point of view or my high-D point of view, and... I simply argue that it's most effective because it's mine, which is just wrong. It's just wrong. It may in fact be right, but it's not right because it's mine. And when you tell a high C, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to do the most effective solution, they're going to relax a little bit and be more open to a collaboration because you share with them that I'm not going to simply insist on my own point of view because it's my unrational or irrational, very emotional point of view on this situation.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Okay, so let's get more detail and talk about defining the problem. And I think for, for a high C, that's important, right? Because they want to have a framework in which to discuss the
1: problem, right? Yep, they do. They're the logical, the factual members of the team. They pride themselves on not getting swept up with the emotions, with the politics. They don't act from their gut. They act from logic. Now look, that doesn't mean they don't get emotional, particularly when they're in conflict. When they feel they're right, as Mike mentioned earlier, and, and right by definition usually means a surfeit of facts on their side, they can dig in and defend their position like anybody else. As a general rule, it's been Mike and I experience that high seas show their reserved natures. They tend to come across as reserved until they're absolutely sure they're right. And then... <laughs> <laughs> They may be very quiet about it, but they will be absolutely implacable foes. Their certainty will imbue them with some emotion to fight for their point of view. When a high season conflict, they want to be sure that the problem they're solving is the correct one. Now, us D's and I's are, or those of us who are both D's and I's, curse against, double curse against us, right? Our tendency is to rush in where angels, angels fear to tread and to end up reworking our solutions several times. But that makes no sense to a high C.
0: Oh, drives high Cs
1: crazy, right? Re- yeah, the idea, work. well, oh. this isn't right, but we'll, we'll reiterate. We'll iterate on this thing 10 times, and then we'll get there. And the high C is, why not wait longer until you discover what the perfect solution should be, right? Stay quiet until you've worked through it all. So, if you're a D or an I, pause a little bit. Spend time with the high C defining the problem. Once you know and they know what the problem is, you're much more likely together with them to find an effective solution.
0: Right. And it's hard for high D or high I to understand sometimes, but for the high C, sometimes the definition of the problem is the avoidance or the the definition of the the challenge, I don't want to use the word twice here in two different meanings, but the definition of the challenge, the solution is for the high C, it's just as important to avoid problems as it is to achieve success.
1: Yep, exactly. His problems are antithetical to perfection, right?
0: That's right. That's right. And the high D, high I goes, well, look, as long as we meet our objectives, yeah, there's a little blood, a little messiness, who cares? Well,
1: high C cares, (laughs) generally. Yeah, I don't care. I mean, as a high D, high I, my natural tendency is, I don't care if there are problems. I really don't. I'm okay with that. If there are problems and I'm achieving my objectives, who cares? The high C says, there's almost no way to achieve your objectives while still having problems. And I just put words in your mouth, Mike. Would you agree with that? I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, folks, if you can't figure out that you are seeing a window into the man or tool soul in terms of what Mike and I argue about, and if you're saying to yourself, I really think Mike is the smart one of the two. You're probably a high C. And if you're thinking, I really like that horseman guy. He makes things happen. <laughs> you're probably a deer and a high. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there <laughs> Just you making go. our biases clear, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: If you're a high deer, high I, like Mark on Facebook. If if not, then like me. Oh, that's right. You don't have a Facebook account. That's, that's right. <laughs> you don't have a Facebook I account. I guess I win. Yeah, that's a
1: longer story. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but then again, Mike, if if you were as popular as me, you wouldn't be on Facebook either. Just saying, I'm just saying.
0: Yeah, I'm better on. I mind. tried
1: Facebook. I tried Facebook. What a disaster! My kids are like, Dad, it's all work. Yeah, I know. Okay, so our recommendations here. First of all, move the problem to outside the two of you, and this is. You know what, for I think for many of you listening, this is gonna be a vocabulary challenge, if more than more than anything else. Okay. When you talk to a high C, don't talk. And by the way, I've talked about this before for many of you. I've shared with you the idea of conversational scenario planning. Where you think through, and I know for some of you, you're going to be shocked at this, but this is one of the ways that executives and senior managers get ahead. They think through the conversation they're likely to have with a coworker or a boss or a peer or whomever, okay? So when you talk to IC, don't use language that suggests the problem is he did it or you caused this to be the case. If you tell a high C, you caused this, and you're making it clear it's a problem, you're suggesting that they were wrong. And the first thing they're going to do Unless you have an exceptional relationship with them, is to shut down, to be defensive, or to analyze what you're saying to determine whether or not it's true. They're not trying to solve the problem that you believe exists between the two of you. They're back in, he said I was wrong. What factors led to my wrongness? And am I, am I in fact wrong? And they may discover that the high C may be thinking all through the time you're blah, blah, blahing that I've decided he's wrong. I'm right. And now the high I or the high D or even the high S is saying, we've got a problem here. And the high C is thinking, no, actually, we don't have a problem. You have a problem. What I did was right, and you compounded it by suggesting that what I did was wrong. So we don't say, you caused this. We don't say, you did this or he did that. And keep in mind as well that people rarely deliberately cause problems or do poor work. They don't. Even if wherever you are in the spectrum of DISC or anywhere else, even if you feel that someone else caused you more work or caused your work, the work that you did that was added to theirs to be ruined, they probably didn't do it on purpose. And even if they did, calling them on it probably won't help you solve your problem. If you express those kinds of negative feelings, well, here's what you here's the mistake you make, or here's where you went wrong. If you did that to a high C, it's going to cause one of two things. Either they're going to shut down completely, which is a way of saying, I simply disagree with you, and by your very statement, you prove to me that you're not worthy of a conversation with me. Mike, admit it. You know that's true, even though I'm a high eye. That's exactly right, isn't it?
0: That's right. That's
1: right. Yeah, exactly. Or Unfortunately for some of us, for IC, they'll show you one of their rare flashes of anger. And forget about the response to either one. Both of these are very bad signs regarding working with ICs. Now look, you can choose to believe in the best of people, or you can just act this way in terms of avoiding, and when we say act this way, we mean avoiding pointing out who caused the problem. You can avoid that just because it's more effective. Guys, the way to do this is to find the problem outside the two of you. Instead of saying, you caused the system to be offline for three hours, say, the system was offline for three hours. How do we prevent that in the future? That's the way to do it. Don't cast blame. Don't cast aspersions. If you cast an aspersion on a high sea. They're going to spend half an hour of your conversation trying to determine whether or not you're right and probably with their emotions engaged, directed against you, and so their analysis is not going to be that good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mike is having this experience of saying, my God, he's describing what it's like to work with horsemen. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and you're
0: describing the frustrations of working with those hands so,
1: yeah, yeah i know I, no I, no. I know. no 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 these aren't dude these aren't frustrations for me i know these things are true and i stumble and forget them at times and <laughs> open my big mouth and go how can this be how can this be what possibly could have gone wrong to cause this to happen
0: uh well these days, i'll carry a recorder around and it's sometime I'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll put it on a cast and People can hear how the conversations oh, go. That would be very me. interesting.
1: Kill me now. That'd Shoot me in the face right now. Yeah. So look, once you agree in principle that you want to move the problem to being external to the two of you in the conversation, the next thing you've got to do is, okay, okay, the problem exists over there. Here's the two of us over here. How do we find the best approach together? Now, look, if you're dealing with a high D, just tell them what to do. Okay, They're comfortable with giving orders. They're comfortable with taking orders. Unfortunately, with high Cs, that approach works less well. Instead of dictating what you want done with a high C, and by the way, a high I's example of, let's do X, will also be seen as dictating to a high C. Sit down and talk to them logically about what the best approach is to the particular problem once you've defined it outside of the both of you. For you assertive styles, for you D's and I's, that means asking, hey, dude. Actually, you probably wouldn't say, dude, do I see? Because they would look it up in the dictionary and say, technically, that's not the most widely available, most professional use. So you would say, sir. (laughs) (laughs) This is a little tongue-in-cheek, folks. You would say, what's the best approach? what do you think will work based on the situation we're in now? And then for you D's and I's, you've got to sit on your hands figuratively speaking and listen, fully listen to the answer. You high S's, you're going to have less problems in this area because you're going to be comfortable listening. And you should say the same, we recommend you say the same thing, which is what do you think our solution is? What's the best approach? And by the way, Asking for a solution, ask for the best solution. High Cs are never interested in a solution. They want the best solution. If they come up with a solution, they'll start iterating over and over and over again until they come up with what they believe is, in fact, the best, most logical, rational, optimum solution. And they're willing to share it with you because it's not a matter of opinion. It's simply a fact that this is the best solution. What are
0: the things you can say to a high C as if I don't know? That will lead to a better conversation around solutions. Well,
1: folks, I'm not I'm not going to list all of them real quickly up front because if I did, Mike might just roll over and scratch himself on the scratch himself on the belly and fall asleep purring. So I'm going <laughs> to dole them out a little bit at a time here. I right? And we have a healthy number. Mike, wouldn't you agree that we have a healthy number, a higher percentage than the population in general of ICs? So when you hear these phrases, we don't want you to just curl up in a little ball and just be happy. We want you to stay with us for the next 10 or 15 minutes of this cast. One of the things you can say is perhaps we can agree on all the factors and issues at play here.
0: Let's bullet them out.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the beauty of this, this phrase is all about the problem. It helps you stay in the problem space for that much longer. And high Cs really believe as a general principle, as a general approach to professional life, that an accurate analysis and definition of the process or the problem leads to a much better outcome. And where as high Ds and Is, as an example, have a tendency to jump to a solution and we are not as good at spending time agreeing on a problem, which is a weakness of ours, no question, particularly if the problem is complex. So it's far better, you desnize, to spend time agreeing on what the problem is. For example, if the problem is in some numbers on an Excel spreadsheet, can you at least agree on which numbers are incorrect? Can you agree that they're only incorrect on this sheet or are they coming from a download from somewhere else where, in fact, the original data may be corrupted? Is the problem restricted to your team or have the numbers been propagated to other places as well? That kind of let's fix the actual root of the problem within the purview of your work and your ability to make changes are an important part of being clear about what the problem is so that a high seek can feel that they're coming up with a solution that is, ideal or at least optimum for the problem set that exists.
0: Yeah. And I like that for a couple of different reasons. You know, first for me, it helps like finding places where you and I might agree, right? Which takes the whole emotional intensity down, which high C's don't like. It does. We want to, we want to talk about facts and figures and we want to have a logical discussion relative to an emotional discussion. So taking that emotional intensity down helps yep. a lot and moves us kind of to a more positive mental state where, frankly,
1: we're more likely to find a solution. You know what's interesting about that is you're talking about taking the emotional level down a little bit because it will help you feel better about the solution. But the, the fact is, 95% of the time, taking the emotions out of a particularly, particularly in an analytical situation, everyone does better solving an analytical problem without their emotional component in place. You just feel better if there are no emotions in the discussion, right? You and I, how many times have you and I been in discussion and you stayed rational? And I've just said, are you kidding me, dude? What are we going to do? Are you kidding me? It's been like this for two years. Are you kidding me? What are we doing here? (laughs) And I'm expressing an emotional state. And if I go too far, you shut down. Right which is stupid on my part because you and I are engaged in the discussion to get to a solution, but I allow my emotions to rule me and say, dude, really? Are you kidding me? It's been two years. We've had this problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you think Wendy wrote this cast so I would change my behavior? Is that why she did this? I think it might be. Maybe. I think this is secretly you and Wendy working against me, isn't it?
0: There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Thanks, Wendy. I appreciate
1: <laughs> Thank it. You. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> the other reason I liked what you, you said is that defining the problem clearly leads to a to a situation where we can have a discussion and come up with a solution, implementing a solution that doesn't lead to other problems down the road. Like I said earlier, that, that's important to a
1: high C. Yep. I think back to our experience, you being more of a high C and me being more of a high I, and the number of times where I've pushed emotionally to draw a conclusion, and you've hesitated because you weren't certain that the that the conclusion was rational, that it was reasonably well thought out, yeah, I absolutely was like let 's make a decision fast because I feel good about it rather than let 's make a decision that makes the most sense, so yeah, I agree, totally yeah. agree, and it's absolutely a an area I continue to work on, and i 'm not ideal in it and we all have our burdens, and it appears that Mike's burden is me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and vice yeah. versa. So we, yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll talk. We can, you know, open the kimono on all my mistakes when we <laughs> later on yeah, that's on another okay. cast. Yeah. So, what else have you found to be useful with me and folks like me?
1: Yeah, well, over and over again, I remember, I mean, this is a classic Wendy is we need to do what makes the most sense, right? Or I'll say something like, dude. I want to do what makes the most sense here. What's the right thing to do? What's the logical thing to do? And I'll position it that way. That sounds so good. Rather than saying, how do you feel about this? Which we teach people all the time at our effective communications conference. The idea of asking a high C what feels right here. When you ask a high C what feels right here, they literally demote you and therefore demote the value of their answer to you Because you ask a question so silly that how something feels might, in fact, impinge upon its value. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how things feel. What matters is what makes the most sense. High Cs pride themselves on being logical, on being factual. When you say what makes the most sense, the high C goes ah, okay, this is a person who understands, at least in this moment, whether I believe they did that a month ago or not, they understand that what makes the most sense, what is logical, what is rational, what is optimal, is, in fact, the right thing to do. Now, look, guys, let's be clear about something. 95% of the decisions we make at work are not moral imperatives black and white, right or wrong. They're choices we make that have benefits and costs. To a high C, saying that something feels right implies that it doesn't make any sense. To a high I, saying that something is analytically the best option implies that it's really not something that will inspire other people to their best work. But the fact is, we're arguing about six of one, half a dozen of the other. But if you're going to work with a high C, you better say things about logicalness, factualness, about optimumness, if you will. When you say, we need to do what makes the most sense, you're saying to a high C, we're on the same side. We're going to do the rational thing. Whatever that may be, whatever our analysis shows is the rational thing, which to a high C would be the right thing, it will say to them, We're on the same side of the problem. Now, it's okay to disagree with the high C about the recommendation one would make about the data, as long as you're agreeing on the data. Too many I's and S's and D's, though, tend to not focus on the data and say, I believe we ought to do X, when in fact, they don't consider the data at all. But if you've agreed that you're going to act in a way that makes the most sense, it's much easier to agree on a solution which is going to be palatable to the high C even if they might argue with you about some of your conclusions. If we say, hey, look, let's be clear about the data. Let's be clear about the facts. Let's be clear about the logic here. They're okay with somebody saying, I draw a different conclusion from that. But if you say, well, I ignored the data, the high C will say, well, then I'm going to ignore your conclusion it's easier for a high c to agree to a solution which will satisfy the logical and rational factors if you've said hey let's agree on what may, let's agree that we're going to do what makes the most sense here
0: right yeah i agree sometimes we joke about high c's and think that high c's you know they think they're they're so smart and they have the right Answer all the time, and that's that. That's not really true, right? Um, they're professional, high C professionals, just as are high D and high I and IS right. professionals, right. and they don't necessarily have to be right. They just want to believe that there's some logic, even if you they disagree with it. They just want to believe that you've at least thought through it. And two yep. different rational people can come to two different conclusions based upon the same data, and high C's are perfectly okay with that. But if you don't say that you're going to do what makes most sense, then high seas can often come to conclusion that you're not basing it on logic or f- facts at all, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that leaves us to the last point, which is I'm willing to do whatever is the most effective solution. In any conflict, guys, your willingness to step towards the person you're in conflict with tends to de-escalate that conflict. You and I can't be in conflict if one of us refuse to fight with the other person. Now, uh, yeah, there's a case to be made for why passive aggressiveness is a bad thing. But if you're genuinely willing to work towards a solution and you say, I'm willing to do whatever is the most effective solution, even if we might argue about the definition of most effective, a high C is going to love the fact that you're shooting for the most effective solution. The logical, the right as in correct thing to do is what he or she wants to do. The fact that you're willing to act in that way, even if you disagree about some of the details, takes a lot of the emotional conflict or the the reservedness or the defensiveness of the high C away from the moment and allows you to start looking for solutions that'll work for everybody together. And that's really it. Look, over and over and over again, what I've seen is high eyes like me saying, dude, it's simple, it's this. And the high C saying, no, it's not simple, and it's not that. And the high eye gets tied to his or her point of view. And they feel like they're in conflict with high Cs a lot, in part because they make the conflict worse. There are very few high eyes in the world that would actually say, you know what, I really don't want to agree in all the factors and issues here. I don't really want to do, on what makes them, do what makes the most sense. I don't want to choose the most effective solution. Nobody would disagree with that. They'd all be like, no, those are all fine with me. But because we don't say them, and because we don't then work in that direction, remembering that at any time we can say, I hear what you're saying, and I feel or I think we should go in a different direction. Too often, I think, We take a position and then we figure out the words to defend our position. And it's far smarter when you're working with people who are different than you to choose your words carefully to find common ground. If you find the common ground verbally and and vocabulary-wise, if you end up coming to a different conclusion, you will have done so in relative harmony. And that will allow you to disagree in the future or agree in the future much more easily And remember, most of the people that you talk to on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, you're going to continue talking to on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Sometimes you're going to be in conflict. And being respectful of a high C, a D, an I, an S, it doesn't matter who. And knowing how to behave in that conflict is going to increase the chances that when you're in conflict with somebody, it's not a conflict that creates a crisis in the relationship. And that's exactly what we want to avoid. There you go.
0: All right, my friend. Thank you.
1: You bet, partner, anytime.
0: All right, we'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, have a great one.